0: Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. And we've got the fried eggs, Andy Johnson, of course, fried egg and shotgun start and on and on it goes here this week. First time ever. Have never had them on before, uh, which is fairly surprising. I am sure we have recorded multiple Clubhouse podcasts and fried egg podcasts at bars and restaurants around the country the last couple of years. But, uh, of course, we didn't have a microphone for those. So it was a lot of fun. It was very random. uh, And that's exactly what I hoped it would be. Uh, We talked about the top five best sub-60 rounds of all time in every tour around the world. We talked about who Andy would hope to have a Twitter beef with most in the world at some point in his life, and if that gives you an idea where the conversation goes, uh, you'll enjoy it. Trust me, you'll enjoy it. If you enjoy anything he does, uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll really like the 40 minutes we spent together. Of course, this week is brought to you by Titleist, and the all-new Titleist TS2 and TS3 drivers. They're killing it with these clubs. They are killing club total, driver total, everything, out on the tour, and of course, amongst you people, the amateur golfers in this world. The R&D department put everything into this driver. It is my favorite Titleist driver I've had since the 975D. It's in the bag. I've gained yards. I've gained clubhead speed, and I love it. And uh, I'm actually going to be at the PGA show this next week alongside Brad Fax and talking about Titleist, talking about our experiences together, and uh, we'll be at that booth and in that area throughout the week. So make sure you come say Hi and you can uh, get a chance to look at the new TS2 and TS3 drivers because I promise you, you'll really enjoy them if you give them a try. Before we get to Andy, one more thing. Just wanted to let you know that if you're kicking off 2019 by planning out which roles your business needs to hire, you know what? You need to check out ZipRecruiter.com slash the clubhouse to hire the right people, not just to hire people. You want to hire the right people. And unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you And it's powerful matching technology. It scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience. And it actively invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the United States. And this rating comes from hiring sites on TrustPilot with over a thousand reviews. A thousand reviews. And right now, my listeners, you people, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. If you love the show, show your support to it and go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Just got back from a golf trip out of Tubac, Arizona. Had 16 guys there. It was a lot of fun. Two days. It's a short trip. We try to do it early in January, right after the new year. Why not start your year off? with a golf trip, and uh, it's been a slow going this week, let me just tell you. I've watched a lot of golf, I have watched a lot of sports, and I have not left the couch much, but uh, I'm excited for next week. Like I said, I'll be at the PGA Tour Show, so make sure you come say hi, and uh, and we'll be hanging around the, uh, the Titleist uh, booth. You'll see all the people around Brad Faxon, and I'll be the guy kind of standing next to him on the side. All right, let's get to Andy. And we welcome in uh, the FedEx Cup leader of podcast hosts here in 2019, and the first time ever here on the clubhouse is andy johnson you guys of course know him founder of the fried egg host of the fried eggs podcast co-host of the thrice weekly shotgun start you guys are doing three a week is that right
1: that is correct shane thanks for having me on Um, first time long
0: time yeah i mean you know we get a chance to hang out you're uh you're continuing to uh to you you even you even blew me off like 15 minutes so you you had business meetings you had to do you have stuff going on Uh, the fried egg enterprise is continuing to grow, um, but uh, yeah, I, I wanted to have you on. I mean, what you guys have kind of done the last few months with your own podcast, and of course, what you've done, people have followed, and, and the first thing, and I mean, I know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about golf courses, even though, of course, that's what you excel in, but it it's, your career has been interesting. You've kind of followed along this change in the way golfers intake golf I mean it used to be you watch professional golf and that's how you're a golf fan and I'd say over the last eh, eight to ten years that switched and now golfers have started to care way more about where they want to go play or what they want to do with their friends or how they want to play um, the the destinations they want to go to and so you know I think it's helped you out and you've been able to help those types of people out so my first question is how many messages do you get daily now at this point in your life from people saying Hey, I'm going to a golf trip to blank and where should I play? Where should I eat? Where should I drink? And that type of stuff. Are you getting like 20 a day?
1: It's a, it's a handful a day. It's some days or more, you know, if I post something about affordable golf in one area, then I get bombarded about, Hey, do you have any? And you states around it. Uh, (laughs) So it's a, it, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. I, 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 I can't get to all of the messages anymore. I'm trying to figure out a way to get to more of them. Um, but I, I'm trying to get the website and more recommendations up uh, every day. So it's it's a, uh uphill battle. The problem is you have to go see all these places.
0: Yeah, and that, that leads me to my next question is you've got a chance to play a ton of cool places. You get great opportunities to go see these types of places. Now, I mean, resorts are inviting you to go there and you're going international and all that stuff what's a course that comes to mind that you've been to that you'd love to return to in a different capacity? And when I say that, I mean maybe you're on a media trip or maybe you're there for you know a, a shotgun, a, a, an 18-hole scramble for this event, and you're playing this golf course going, I'd love to come back with three friends or I'd love to come back with 16 guys. What's, uh, what's a golf course that comes to mind? Because I'm sure you get asked a lot about courses you've never played that you want to play, but one that you've played once that you want to go back with maybe a different group or a different feel?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, so, you know, I've gotten lucky. I've gotten to play a lot of great places. I, I did this trip uh, to Philly during the BMW where I I went to a couple of rounds of the BMW, but then I was like exploring Philly golf. And if you remember the BMW last year, it, it was like a monsoon. I mean, it rained like seven. And I walked like two golf courses in just this downpour. And one of them was like the coolest, quirkiest little place. Like I've ever kind of come across. Like it was like the anti-American golf golf course where it had these blind shots, all these like 270 yard par fours. Um, it was called Pax and hollow in Philly. And I, it, it like inspired, it was, it was just in a downpour. So I just walked it. It was unplayable conditions, but I later found out, uh, that the pro at Paxson and hollow is high school buddies with Jim Wagner, who is, uh, Gil Hans's business partner. So Jim Wagner has been doing like pro bono consulting work at this place for decades.
0: I just got back from a golf trip from uh, tubac, Arizona. We do a yearly trip. Um, it's, uh, it's about two hours South of Phoenix. It's about 30 minutes South of Tucson. I took 16 guys. Including myself, sixteen is a lot. I mean, is that a cutoff number? Is there a number that you think is the cutoff number for kind of a trip amongst your
1: friends? i it, I think it depends. it It all depends on what you're trying to do with the trip, you know, because you get such an eclectic group when you have a big group like that and all different types of players. you know I'm sure you saw it. you have like your hyper competitive guys that are, that are really trying to shoot low scores. Then you got like casual guys. I bet that kind of are just out there for the, the feel of it. I think that it adds to it, but and it, it all depends on how many friends you have. You know, if you have 31 really good friends that play golf together and all know each other, that would be a really cool trip. I did a 16 person trip once and that was a lot of fun. Uh, not everybody knew each other. That's the tough thing with golf is it's hard to do that big of a trip where everybody knows each other.
0: And it's hard to get everybody to play with each other. I mean, that's the thing I've run into with these bigger group trips is you think you're going to see somebody all day long and you might get stuck in the cart with a buddy and you're just with that friend. The nice thing about this trip is, A, you never leave the property, and B, it's almost more of a personality match golf trip. I mean, we're all friends, but it's everybody has kind of the same thoughts on it. I mean, we, we, we throw $50 in the pot to start the week we split up two man teams and it's basically low high handicaps are kind of paired together in this random drawing of kind of four quads and that's really the only game quote unquote we have and then, of course you can play money games amongst your foursome but that's the one thing that I have learned from the bigger group trips is just try not to do too much in terms of overall experience because when you do that either people lose scorecards they get confused. They forget to write a score down. People don't aren't accurate about what they made because they maybe they're they're not great golfers. We had three thirty handicaps on the trip. You know, I mean, they're not used to obviously scoring every hole they play. So I tried to make it as simple as humanly possible. Plus, I made my intro, my buddy Andrew do all the math. But that was the nice thing: is fifty dollars all in, and that's kind of what you bet.
1: Did you do like thirty six holes a day?
0: We did twenty seven just because it's winter, yeah. and we tried to do. This is the second year we did it. We tried to do thirty six last year, and it was this kind of rush in to lunch and rush back out and At one point, we're sitting out there having fish tacos and margaritas going what's the rush like what what are we doing here like i mean that's uh, the the one thing about golf trips that I think sometimes gets lost is that it's supposed to be fun first, and if you're yeah. grinding in forty mile an hour winds or it's pouring down rain like you're talking about walking this golf course, and it's unplayable conditions. You know, is that fun? I mean, you're almost making yourself do it because you're on this golf trip.
1: Yeah, I I think the – something I've fallen in love with in the last year is is playing alternate shot. Like, I actually – and I think it's the perfect thing for a golf trip with, like, buddies if you're trying to play 36 holes. Because playing alternate shot is so much easier on, like, your body – And you're meant to you're like you're not having to grind all the time. And once you get over the fact of like I think like the big hesitation is like it's really uncomfortable the first few times you play it where you're worried about giving your partner a bad break or missing a putt and you feel bad. But eventually that like it for me at least it changed to being like you know this is great. I don't even have to care about this. That's the next guy's problem. <laughs> That's, That's right, partner's problem. Sorry, Not I missed that problem.
0: five footer. You got five feet coming back. <laughs> we did. Uh, we did the set. We did the the afternoon nine. I mean, so you know, I mean, there's 16 dudes. We're all drinking and having a good time and playing your own ball. The first 18, the second nine after lunch, and it was a good hour and a half break. We did nine hole random draw scramble amongst the four groups. Okay so an A player, a B player, C player, D player, it was nine-hole, four-man scramble, and you had to use everyone's tee shot twice, which was brutal, but also there was a lot of strategy. I mean, we played a par four. It was 400 yards. We had 250 left in because the ball was in play from our D player who was struggling to get the ball off the tee. And so, you know, the the last day, there was like a bogey on the last hole and a four-man scramble, which, of course, you don't see much. But I like, I just, I think, as you're mentioning, Changing up the format for the afternoon round makes way more sense because we are, as Americans are, obsessed with putting the score in what we shot on the trip, and if you can somehow get past that, it makes the entire experience a little bit more fun, at least for me at this point in my life. I mean, I don't want to be out there grinding over three-footers all day.
1: That's I did a trip um, to one of your favorite spots, Prairie Dunes, Nice. and we did 36 the first two days and then 18 the last day. And we, we did uh, stroke play every round, like, in grinding. And that's a hard golf course. Yeah, 72 <laughs> holes at Prairie Dunes of stroke play in two days. I I was, like, mentally gassed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so it, it, it's just not – I mean, if you get to a point – I mean, I know you're there. I'm definitely there. You get to a point in your life where I think maybe you're past the thought – if you're a, a decent player, maybe you're past the idea that one day you're just going to find something that's going to make you take it to a new level – and you're just out there understanding that you're supposed to be enjoying four and a half hours, who cares what you shoot? When you have to do those things in those days in those arenas, I even, I mean, to be quite honest, I don't love playing in like two-man stuff that much anymore because I feel like there is so much grinding going on. And as you mentioned a little bit with the alternate shot, you do feel at times that, man, I got to make this. I can't let my partner down. I got to make this. I got to hit this close. He's in the bunker. And, uh, Again, it's just I think I'm to the point where casual golf is the way I want to go. It's like you with golf shoes, you want to play in tennis shoes and I'm kind of leaning that way.
1: Well, it's it's fascinating. I I was talking with Jeff Ogilvie uh this week and he was talking about Bubba Watson. Bubba doesn't hit range balls. And I found I've actually found I've had like an awakening that's really helped my golf game is not caring. Like I don't grind, and when I have to grind, I play a lot better now. It's almost like a I'm not worn out, and I don't have, I don't have bad memories. Right,
0: it's it's a nice thing to have. We're recording this on Thursday. I'm gonna to switch to pro golf for a minute. Phil Mickelson is on a run. I'm not sure he's at right now. He was something like eight under through eleven. I want to ask you, as you're kind of uh, you've become a pretty good take artist in this golf world. When should we? start 59 watches. Oh. It
1: they they happen so much more now.
0: Well, these guys go so low.
1: It's I was looking, I was researching stuff about 59s and it it happened only 9 times before 2010 on like, you know, in official professional golf rounds across and 16 times since. So, it's becoming a more common phenomenon, but I think with a guy like Phil, 59 wash starts sooner than a guy like, uh, I don't know, I always bang on the same guy when I bring up random tour pro. And I, I don't want to do it. <laughs> but but Kelly Craft. Like, Man, you did I, it again. I, think, <laughs> I know. Get <laughs> off this guy. It's just the first guy that for some reason comes to mind with me. Um, so I would say, I, I mean, or Bill Haas. I would say, you know, 59 watch for Phil is more acceptable earlier in the round, especially since he's never done it in a, you know, official event.
0: I can't believe you brought up Kelly Kraft. I'm just waiting for you to bring up an anniversary or something going on in the golf world that you'd love to to bag on. I think that's why the shotgun start has been so successful for you guys is you and Porath, you have these themes you go back to all the time. And I know when they're coming. I can sense when this word or name's about to come up, and I'm already laughing when it happens. I'm like, you know, I, I can't wait for the word to come out of your mouth, and I know who it's going to be, but it still still cracks me up.
1: I, it, something that's fascinating about 59s is that uh, the best players, a lot of them haven't shot 59. Right. Tiger like never Phil, did
0: it. Jack never did it. Arnie never did it. I mean, these are Ernie. obviously tourney, tourney, tournament rounds. Ernie never did Ernie. it. Ernie. Um,
1: BJ. Yeah. It's, Justin Thomas has. He but, you know, you look down the list of the guys that have won. I mean, Jim Furyk's a big name, David Duval's a big name, but outside of that, I think 59, ninth. It's just a crazy number. It. I what's I think something that's real is, amateurs. I I call myself a snorkeler. and okay. I you know I'm a. I'm an okay amateur golfer, like in terms of the realm of amateur golf, like competitive amateur golf, but I'm a snorkeler. So if I, I'm okay being one or two under, but like once I hit four, that, that snorkel is fully submerged right. and water is just gushing in. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, you, you better watch out. <laughs>
0: Well, I've always You are
1: playing you are playing way too good.
0: Yeah, I'm I and I'm the same exact way. I mean, once I start hovering past about 3, um it just feels different. And it's been like that my entire life. I mean, I've put up numbers before that were low, and I remember looking back on the round thinking to myself, "What was different then than the rounds you shoot 71 at?" And I have no idea. I but I believe this in golf all the time. I stand over a 5-footer and in my head I'm thinking What's what goes on in my head when I make this, and what goes on in my head when I miss this? And I have no answer. I have no answer at all.
1: Well, it's that phenomenon with par putts, par versus birdie putts. People are like statistically proven to make more par putts than birdie putts, right? You because you don't want to make a bogey, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think I think golfers actually have that same snorkel effect. The pro golfers when they hit like ten under par. Right it's a little
0: different (laughs) when they're when they're at 61 they start going oh my goodness I mean you have seen some guys hit some pretty bad shots on the final hole knowing that if they make birdie there they're gonna they're not gonna do it I mean but that also on the flip side of things you've seen guys pull off unbelievable shots on the final hole to do this I mean you think about the last couple of guys that have done it Snedeker makes a bomb I think it was the longest putt ever made for 59 and Justin Thomas's putt for 59 was a pretty long putt as well I mean to pull those shots off, and I and I say this a lot, I beat this drum all the time, but I don't think these guys get nervous like they used to. I don't know if it's collegiately or AJGA or just banging this thing over and over again in their head that they're supposed to be the best, but I find it, I find it unbelievable how many big putts are made on final greens these days, and maybe I just wasn't watching as much golf in the 1980s, but I just don't feel like that was the case back in the day.
1: Something I think... Is also especially with what we're seeing and with the young players, is that they're seeing all their peers do it. So it's not as odd. Like it, it doesn't feel as uncomfortable because they know, hey, like, I I used to beat Justin Thomas back in the day on the junior circuit all the time. Is what a guy like you know, John Rahm is saying. You know, I I or I mean that's not really a great example, but Cameron Champ saying like, hey, Kelly, I, Kelly know, Kraft
0: I, is probably saying that.
1: You know Kelly Kraft's a US Am champ. Yeah, like, I, know. I, I gotta. He's a pedigreed player. I'm. I gotta, I gotta get off. I gotta stop doing it.
0: I need to find somebody that hovers at 120 on David on, on Hearn the, on the money list all David, the time.
1: <laughs> David Hearn. David Hearn.
0: Uh, Ricky Barnes.
1: Uh, Van Ashwagen. Uh, Ricky Tyrone. Barnes
0: also a US Amateur champion. U of A guy.
1: I, I. You know Ricky Barnes and that painter's hat he used to wear. Once he once he put that painter's hat on, I I just there's something I could never unsee with him.
0: He was so close to just getting off to this unbelievable career start. I mean, think about what he did. He wins the USAM. He turns professional. Was was it the US Open? Was he a pro at the time when he nearly won at Page?
1: I th- he, I think so. He was. That's an unbelievable. It, the he was such a prodigious. Co- college and amateur player to never have won a professional event is amazing
0: yeah I mean he goes I mean that was the run when U of A I was at U of A at the time that's the run when they had all these great players and uh and you know you're just kind of waiting for the next group to go you and Porat do something that I like a lot you guys do little lists at times and so I wanted to do one with you we were talking about 59s we were talking about 59 watches I wanted to ask you your top five sub-60 professional golf rounds in the history of the game. And I've written my five down. Now, this is, of course, PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, European, anything you want. And I'm going to let you kick us off with number five, your number five best sub-60 round in golf history.
1: All right. So I'm I'm going to go with uh, the original Mr. 59, Al Geiberger. Number I don't really five? know if – well, I don't really know anything about it. I didn't see it, so for me, it's not you know, it doesn't matter that much, except for the fact that he that he did it first. Okay, so I'm just putting him at five, just because. Just out it, of respect. It has no, yeah, it has no bearing on me personally. This is a personal list. I got you. It's well,
0: he's number two on my list because of this. First, he has the nickname. Second, I think if you're the first person to do anything. It's way harder to do. You know, if you're the first man on the moon, you're the first guy to shoot sub-60. It's 1977. He's using the equipment he was using. And I give an extra star to players that won the event when they did it. He did that on Friday, was still able yeah. to hold it together and win. So I got Guy Berger at number two. I can't believe you have him at number five. That's disrespectful to
1: Al. Hey, you. I just want I want to throw out there that you are disrespecting one of the game's legends. Who, Al Geiberger? Gary Player. Oh, oh God, I knew this was coming. I knew this (laughs) was coming. And this is my number four. Unofficial event. So it's not an official event. Brazil Open? The Brazil Open. But here's the more important thing. Gary loves, you know, he used to always love, you know, he outdrives Jack on the first tee at at Augusta. He loves talking about how he outdrove Jack and Arnie back you know, when Arnie and Jack were do, doing it with Gary, and he always, you know, he's the most competitive human being maybe on the on the planet. So the simple fact that Gary Player has shot the has shot 59 and Jack and Arnie didn't, I think it's, it's unbelievable. We'll
0: take a quick break in the action to let you know about Robinhood. It's an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, options, crypto, all commission-free, and they strive to make financial services work for everybody, not just the wealthy. Robinhood is a non-intimidated way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. And it's a simple and intuitive with a clear design that shows data presented in an easy to digest way. And here's some of the reasons I recommend Robinhood. I'm exactly what they talk about here, newcomer to the stocks. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I love everything that Robinhood does. There's no commission fees, which is huge. Other brokerages can charge up to $10 for every trade. No commission fee at Robinhood. It's simple. It's easy to understand. Got charts and market data, and they're all placed to trade at just four taps on your smartphone. Robinhood web platform also lets you view stock collections. Collections are sectors like entertainment, social media, and uh, and it analyzes ratings of buy, hold, sell for every single stock. And you learn by doing it. Yes, you can actually learn. On an app. You can learn how to invest all as you build your portfolio. You can discover new stocks and track favorite companies with personalized news feeds and custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. So Robinhood is it, and it's giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build that portfolio of yours. You can sign up at clubhouse.robinhood.com. That's clubhouse.robinhood.com. All right, let's get back to Andy. I have an asterisk, though, for the Gary play around beside the fact that it was unofficial and we don't really know anything about it. And it could have just be could literally just be oh, a <laughs> whole wives tell. Nobody knows. It was on a par
1: 69 golf course. Hey, par doesn't matter. Shay.
0: Okay. All right. I'm just telling you I, under par, even though I am with you on the par doesn't matter. I think that mentally, you know where you're at considering where it's at. OK,
1: you've got Gary
0: player at number four
1: in the Brazil. I got Gary at number, number four. All right. My number uh, four unofficial number one.
0: Okay, I my number four is Shigeki Ah oh. 13 under 58 at U.S. Open qualifying, and he did it after an opening 74, so he shoots 74 when a lot of these guys will WD and leave. I mean, it's a 36-hole qualifier. It's in the middle of the summer, and he goes 74-58, 29-29 at Woodmont Country Club.
1: I had the same one. That was my number three, and... You know? Do you know who won, who is the medalist of that event?
0: I was reading about it earlier, but I can't remember. Who was it?
1: David Bargnani. Oh, or, man.
0: <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be one of the people you love to bring up all the time, like Applebee to, or something.
1: He used to wear, like, gold chains. He's, like, poor, one of poor-ass favorite guys. That's
0: unbelievable. He won, he won the qualifier.
1: So he won it. Shigeki didn't even win the qualifier. Seventy
0: four fifty eight. I think Woodmont, one of the courses there, is very, very easy for these guys
1: the south course yeah. is what he shot 29 on each nine
0: that's you I, I saw that when I was reading about it 29 29 but then I was thinking you've kind of got to do that if you shoot 58 um 58's a crazy number okay that's what, my number four that was your number three
1: what yeah what of my what are my goals the last few years has been to uh to shoot better than my age on nine I don't I actually actually don't I think I probably did it last year but I don't even remember i I stopped keeping I was trying to do it when I was like 29 or 30. I'm so 30, I'm 32 now to shoot a 28. I wanted to shoot like a 28 or a 29. And I, I remember I got close and both times I blew up on like the ninth hole. Um, But like that was, he shot 29 on both nines. Think about shooting
0: 29 on both nines. My, I mean, I just couldn't imagine making the turn after 29 on the front thinking, yeah, I'll just keep this thing going. But again, this is the difference in mentality from a guy that can shoot 58 to a guy like me who gets nervous when I'm two under my number three. Pretty easy, Annika Sorenstam, 59, lone one on the LPGA Tour, happened in 2001. She won the event again, big part for me.
1: So uh, I, I regretfully omitted that. That was a bad omit, I'm not going to lie. I should have had that in instead of Gary. Um...
0: <laughs> you, wait, wait, hold on. You think in, in terms of growing the game, Annika Sorenstam doing something a woman's never done might be a little bit more important than Gary Player doing it at the 1974 Brasilia Open? He
1: might have been the first. <laughs>
0: You do know, do you think that made the wire? You think that made the wire in New York on, on All right. Monday?
1: All right. See, this is the important thing. I, I came in with my list and and now I'm amending my list.
0: Okay. You're you I don't want you to lose Gary. I think it's an important thing to bring Al up. Guy,
1: the Al Guyberger's out then.
0: Whoa, you're losing you're losing Mr. 59 for <laughs> Gary player Shigeki Buryyama doing it in these events. All right. I have Annika in number three. I've already mentioned my number two is Guyberger. Who's your
1: number two? My number two is David Gossett. And when was this? He shot, uh, he went from 125th or 129th in, in PGA Tour Q School in, the year, in 2000. So th- it was when it was still six rounds. It was the fourth round. He, sh- he opened with 70, 76, 71. He was, he was in 129th place. He makes his first ever hole one in his life, 11 birdies to shoot 59. And he vaulted up to T2 25th ends up getting his card that week. That was, I think they gave him out to like the top 20 or so.
0: Yeah, there's been a couple on the list of guys that do this stuff in events that matter way more. That's a great yeah. one to pull. Gossett did it in six round Q school. Sam Saunders, I think, did it in Webb Q school a couple of years ago. I, I don't think it was, it was the last round or anything. I think it was pretty early in the rounds. But, you know, again, when I, like I said about Guy Berger, when you're the first person to do it, it's important. But also, when you do it under this immense pressure, you know, I mean, Jim Furyk's 58 was great. But he wasn't really much in the hunt at that event, despite having this great round on a golf course that these guys get every year, you know?
1: So Jim Furick. Jim Furick probably is Mr. 59 because he's done it twice. That's a
0: good point. He has done it twice. Only player to do it twice. And, That's uh, unbelievable. I and I mean again, just just I really hope anybody from Al family family's not listening to this. You're gonna get some hate email.
1: It's okay. I can I can deal with it. You
0: can handle it. Okay, number yeah. one, I think we'll probably have the same on the list. What's your number one? Double D. Yeah, it's gotta be. The this way he good. did it, the final round, makes Eagle on the last hole, shirts untucked, the in his prime. It was uh I think it was the probably the greatest final round of all time. Sorry, Johnny.
1: I Duval was so good. I feel <laughs> like because he didn't have the longevity, he's gonna be thought of improperly but the fact that he actually he for he was a better player than tiger at 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 a point where tiger was like in the in his peak tiger
0: i remember you know i i think about rory a lot right now i i have this feeling when rory is playing that it feels a little bit bigger and again i mean maybe it's just because rory was the next big thing and when he's in an event and maybe the golf swing and the power, and, and he shouldn't hit it as far as he hits it, but he does and whatever. I love watching Rory play no matter what the round is and no matter what event it is. And that was what Tiger used to bring. And I'm with you. When Duvall was in the late 90s and he was playing in these events, I remember watching that tour, uh, the, not the tour championship, um, the players he won in 99. And I remember watching him at my at a friend's house with their dad on this small TV. And we were huddled around it, watching David Duval play the 17th and 18th, you know, it's sawgrass. And I, I don't believe we would have done that for anybody else.
1: It's Duvall was so great too, because he was kind of like he was a, he was a great foil to tiger, right? You know, tiger had all that enthusiasm, you know, the exuberance and Duvall was this very, he had, he wore those wraparound glasses, sunglasses. He was very, very to himself, very quiet quiet nature they were such polar opposites in terms of on-course demeanor
0: yeah it was just fun It was. I think it was fun for us early in Tiger's career to see somebody that wasn't too intimidated by him even though you know Duvall took a little bit of time to get going as a professional I mean it was a little bit like Payne Stewart you know those guys seemed to have the demeanor you needed to go up against a young kid like Tiger when you know Tiger was basically beating everybody apart in that early 90 you kind of before the first uh, swing change I want to switch gears for a minute Obviously, the big talk on the PGA Tour last week was about tipping. I don't want to get into the story. I don't want to talk too much about it. I saw, and I believe you said this on Twitter, or at least you were talking about it. You were talking about your bad tip stories from the golf course. So I wanted you to share a bad tip story you've had personally. And then I want to go over, as a team, our golf
1: tipping rules. So I, I can't take credit for the bad tip story. I'm not sure who that was. It might have been Brendan. Brendan. Who's, who's doing that, I guess bad tips. Um, oh, this is a good one actually. So, so I used to caddy at a club and they had this big, uh, they'd have these celebrity, celebrity pro ams right on Monday outings. So, so it's four ams and a, a local celebrity. So this local celebrity, he doesn't show up for like nine holes. Right. So. So like the people that I'm caddying for, are like, will you just play? And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll play. So they had five. So I'm playing and then he shows up and uh, and he shows up and, he, and he's just really apologetic to the group. He's like, listen, guys, I I don't have my driver's license anymore uh, and I couldn't get a ride over here. Pre-Uber. So, yeah, Pre-Uber. This I mean, this I was <laughs> I was in college. So you can, you can venture to guess why I didn't have his. Right. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So anyways, this guy, he's a really nice guy. He's a, he was a famous sports icon in, in Chicago. And, uh, and we put, he keeps playing we play nine, we finish the nine everything and he comes up to afterwards. He's like, Hey man, you are great. I want to give you a tip. Uh, can you write down your address? on a piece of paper and i'll mail you your tip wow no way and in my head i'm like never gonna see this never saw it never did and i mean this guy's a famous athlete millionaire
0: yes unbelievable unbelievable mail you the tip he sounds like he had his life together at least (laughs) doesn't doesn't have a license that has no cash on him
1: it was uh i mean i felt bad for the people I felt most bad for the people that paid the money to play with him. Right. Right. He shows up nine holes late. I have
0: to ask you, on brand here, did he look worse for the wear? Very much so. Yeah, he didn't look good.
1: (laughs) It seemed like he might have been somewhere else, like he wasn't at home or something.
0: (laughs) That's pretty bad. I I had, um, you know, when I caddied at the old course, uh, my buddy Will and I had this, um, we learned quickly that if we waited later in the afternoon for our second loop, the caddy master would be searching for caddies. So basically, instead of us going to the the caddy shack at you know 6 in the morning and battling kind of the, the seasoned pro caddies, we would wait till about eight thirty or 9 and go get our first loop, go get lunch, and show up for our second loose loop at like 3. And one of the rules at the old course is you can't carry two bags, but he would literally have no caddies for these groups that wanted caddies. So we learned... Along with him, kind of wink wink, is that we would help out the group, all four of the guys in the afternoon, and then they would all throw us a little bit of money. So, you know, I'd make 60 bucks on a loop, but the other three guys might throw us 20. You know, now we've almost doubled our money for our afternoon loop. So I show up one day and there's four um, international players that spoke no English, okay? And um, I didn't speak their language. And so the caddy master comes up and explains through the translator, you know, this is your caddy, Shane. And, uh, and he's going to take you through the course and he'll help all of you guys. Just make sure you take care of him after. So I am literally Andy for 18 holes at the old course, which again, if you've never been there, it's you don't even know where to aim it, 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 360 degrees around on some of these holes. I am laying irons down in front of the guys as kind of alignment tools. Okay.
1: You're probably running across the fairway, just Just busting
0: it. I mean, busting it. And uh, and I'm sweating, and I, it's miserable, and the snack shack wasn't there because the guy would always leave early. And, uh, and I get done, and all I can think is, like, I need, you know, five pints, and thank God I got to do this, and I'm so glad it's over. And the dude comes over and gives me 50 pounds. Uh, and I had his clubs, and I just looked at him, and I went, nope. And he says, what? And I was like, no. And then the translator came over, and I was like, you're going to have to give me more. And I literally stood there holding the guy's bag till I got 90 pounds out of the tra- translator. So it was an initial bad tip that actually turned in to an okay, okay good one. And then uh, the back end story is a guy did one time, we had a great day, it was him and his wife, and we got done and he came over and he goes, hey, listen, I got something for you, you did such a great job. And he handed me the amount that was the bottom amount, which was 40 pounds, and then a sleeve of Pro-V's, <laughs> gave me a sleeve of Pro-V's and 40 pounds and... <laughs> I'm kind of looking at him he goes yeah we read a book and it said caddies love getting golf balls and I was oh, like God. what not, a it's not, a, not a, that's not a book anybody's written. That's not a thing. Somebody got That's like you. the
1: last thing a caddy needs.
0: Ever, ever in the world. When I worked at true Northern Scottsdale I had eight dozen pro V's in my house at all times because people leave them in there all the time.
1: Oh you want to hear a funny pro V story Let's I it. so I I I caddied and I worked uh bag room and 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 I would pick the range. And they did, it was right when the Pro-V came out, Pro-V1X came out. It had to be like 2003, 2004. And I remember they were doing ball testing at the range for the members. And they, the, somebody from Titleist brought like cases of Pro-V1s out and I set it up. And then I was in charge of picking it all and sorting them. Oh, and I, I literally picked up like 300 new Pro-V1Xs, <laughs> like hit one time. And, and, uh, we had like this big thing, big uh, grove of woods in the back of the range and the pros like, where did they all go? I go, and they're in the, they're in the woods. I, I, I went back there, but some guys, you know, some of the young kids were just pounding them in there for hours. So it was Couldn't ridiculous.
0: I can't yeah. find any of them. You you have a new ball on the tee plane every time with the guy, the guy's like, man, where'd you get all these balls? you like, it's good. Um, I,
1: I still have like a hundred of those balls.
0: Well, good. I know. I mean, I, I'm not a golf ball switcher anymore. I mean, we go back to what we were talking about, uh, you know, things I used to do that I don't do on the golf course anymore. I will play a golf ball until I lose the golf ball. I mean, I, I see no reason to switch. If I hit a hard lob wedge, I just, it's, I'm fine with it. You know, I mean, as long as it's not cut or deformed, I'm pretty much good with it the whole round.
1: I hear the wind is where it gets you is when you're playing in the wind, but outside of that, it's not a big, big deal. If you have a scraped up ball, the wind knocks it down more. That's Yeah, because it, it, I hear it loses the the aerodynamics a little bit. That's that's just what I hear. I, I am by no means a gearhead. <laughs> yeah, you still have the balls
0: from when you're 14. I, I got gotcha. you. Um, I wanted to ask you, Andy, you have been in some Twitter beefs over the last few years. I mean, you're not a guy that, that tries to go after people. You just speak your mind, and it's one of the best parts about you. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do when I'm around you. Who is your dream person to get in a Twitter beef with?
1: Oh,
0: oh man, a beef? Yeah, like I like you guys are going back and forth on Twitter.
1: Oh, let me. Uh, in terms of a beef, I mean, it would. I mean, it, it just like a a back and forth with with Tiger would be unbelievable. I wouldn't want it to be a beef though. Right. I wouldn't want to be the one that was wrong. Um, I guess like you know, I, I could go for. I could go for getting in a beef with J.B. Holmes about slow play. I think that would be a good one.
0: You know, you and Tiger beef is not completely out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you could one day critique one of his golf courses and write a bad review or not, not or just say it's not a good golf course. And maybe he comes at you on Twitter. I'm assuming he wouldn't because I don't think he does much on social media. I, I, yeah, that's but, a, I,
1: it would have to be this. You'd be beefing with a social media manager. <laughs>
0: but, but maybe the social media manager has just had enough of your shit. And he goes, I hate this guy. We're going after him. That's that's. I feel like that the Tiger-Andy fight on Twitter I almost think would have better odds in Vegas than you and J.B. Holmes. Does J.B. Holmes have a social media account?
1: Yeah, I saw somebody just killed him. He was uh, – Somebody he he tweeted about United losing his bags or something. And, <laughs> my favorite and, tweets. And it was it, some guy replied. I forget who it was. It was one of the best tweets I've ever seen in my life. Replied with, "Now you know how it feels to get slow played." No way. Yeah. It was a it was a
0: Delta. It was on the tenth of January. Yeah. Now Delta says my clubs <laughs> won't get here until tomorrow. We leave tomorrow. <laughs> this whole trip was to practice, and now I won't be able to. Come on, hashtag lost gloves. I'm gonna and start, I'm gonna start using that. Response. I'm gonna start just, using that. It's unbelievable.
1: Um I I, I think about it, you know, I, I, I could get into uh I could get into beef with with Pat Reed about something. That, that's something I could do. Yeah, I just
0: don't think I don't think he's involved in his social media either. I would be surprised if he was ever on his phone sending these out. I um, just want to go back to JB just for a second and, and just to let you know how involved he is on his social media. He went at Delta on January eighth, then it continued on until the tenth. Before that, his last tweet was eight twenty five eighteen, also about an airline. <laughs>
1: It's, i hate about that united, so much about
0: united and at least it has hashtag ad on it man going through some of these social media things i that is something i just wish we had and, and i know people have talked about this but you know the, the the golfers being really themselves on social and i mean you know use ricky all you want as a punchy bag ricky is great at this or at least he's he's been great at this in the past Bubba as well is you know when you look at what lebron does on social media it is it at least appears to be what LeBron's life is like, you know, I mean, it's yeah. his family and his kids and he's singing and he's being silly and he's going through practice and working out. And uh, and it would be at least nice to see, you know, a, a Dustin Johnson do that for a year and just to see how it goes and at least kind of get a feel for who he is. But I don't think I honestly don't think
1: they'll ever do it. I think they got too many balls in the year. It's something that but it's it's like a I believe golf is always five to ten years behind the trend. And I, I don't think that like, we're just starting to see, like, Titleist, for example, is just starting to do, and Callaway does a really good job with this, but they've just started to do, like, content with their players, like, and that's something that, like, Nike has been doing forever, and... Right, right. with their, I it, mean, with
0: their, with their, with their non-golf-specific athletes, right?
1: And, yeah, it, these golfers it, are gonna realize, wake up one day and realize, like, it's really beneficial for us to to show our personality, it's going to create more fans. And the more fans we have, the more marketable we are and the more marketing dollars we're going to get. That's the thing I don't understand about it.
0: Well, you're only a pro athlete for so long. And, of course, the issue with golf is that you're a lot longer of a pro athlete than anybody else is. I mean, you're a lot for longer. For now. Pro, right, that's right. It's changing, but, though. But, and you, and you, that's a good point. I mean, golf continues to get. It's, it's crazy watching this web event this week. I mean, yeah. every kid looks 20. Every kid looks twenty, and they have no fear. There's the del boy, the lost, the lost, the lost fear of golfers. I remember I did a I did a stat one time when I was writing. I think it was for Yahoo, and the average age of the major winners in the last seven or eight years had been thirty three years old. You're still going to get a mix of guys that are in their thirties, and a random forty year old maybe wins a major. But you know, for the most part, and maybe five years from now, they're going to be twenty five and under. It at least feels like that's where we're going, and I guess we'll see. You never answered your question on. What's the proper tip on a golf course? So we're gonna go proper tip what's for a caddy proper and proper tip for a bag person, or excuse me, a, a person when you drop your bags off after.
1: What what's the what's the bag rate? Ah, uh, would well, let's say it's a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. It's crazy how much, how expensive caddies have gotten. I used to get sixty, and that was like ten years ago. And you thought you were uh, the
0: richest person in the world.
1: Oh God, going back to college with like. All that cash was the best thing. So, proper tip. It depends on how they do. Like, I I, I believe in tipping based off of, like, if you have the best caddy ever, tip them well. Um, but I would say, I mean, like, to carry one bag, $120 is, is an appropriate amount in my mind, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, but you're a local celebrity now, like that local celebrity back in the day. I mean, if you throw a low yeah. tip at somebody or don't mail well, them the tip, they're going to that- come at you and they're going to start writing stuff about you online. And in 20 years, they're going to have a podcast. Trash talking, Andy Johnson, the local celebrity that didn't tip me
1: enough money. Yeah, well, fine. Like, if it's especially at an event like that where your caddy's taken care of, you should throw the kid fifty bucks at least.
0: I agree. It's it's uh, if you're in the golf industry, over tipping is probably the way to go. I mean, I'm a big, you know, the guy you bring the clubs in on the golf cart after, and I think five bucks a bag is completely appropriate.
1: Yeah. Like, like the club, the guys that clean, clean it, the right. bagroom room guys. Yeah, that's those are guys that deserve it, too, because they're they're working for like ten dollars an hour. Right.
0: I did that job. It uh, you waiting on the last bag. Uh, oh, my goodness. I, I had Frank Thomas one time drop his clubs off, played nine holes, said they were too short and tipped us 20 bucks to clean rentals, which was unbelievable. And then one time I had a pretty famous baseball player tell us before he went out, I will be the last guy in. I just want to let you know, we, my group, will be the last guy in. We'll come in at dark, but we'll take care of you guys. And sure enough, they pulled in and gave us a hundred bucks. Which, again, as you mentioned at the time, a hundred bucks is it might as well be a thousand dollars. I mean, that's best that's night. that's what it does for those types of people. The issue then, of course, is we were twenty three years old, and I think we just went and spent it all at the bar. But at least we had the hundred dollars to spend.
1: The best tip I ever got. It was the member member tournament was always like the weekend before i went back to college at, at the course and i caddied for this guy that was a tequila distributor like a really nice tequila it was you know like a, a comparable to patron and uh and he gave me a really nice tip but then he had me drive him over in a cart to his uh his car and he gave me a case of tequila and uh i i mean me and my buddies, like we, I feel like I don't remember like the first week of school that, that year. It was, you were, you were done. Uh, Andy,
0: what do you have coming up now in the next couple of weeks, couple of months? And, uh, will you be at the PGA show? Because we're apparently, I think we're planning like an Applebee's dinner one night with a few of us.
1: I am not going to be at the PGA show. Uh, I decided this week that I wasn't going. Um, but I got, uh, I've got some travel I I'm going to go I got to go to California. I think I'm going to go to California. I think I'm going to go to Ho Sung Choi, AT&T. You're going to the my, Pebble Beach, my boy. I I, I kind of have to. I've been banging he deserves a sponsors exemption since last year's Korean Open when we when we met Ho Sung Choi.
0: Yeah, you you've been scared about it though. I I know you you've continued to talk about how the hype is going to be it's going to get too big so soon. And right before we started the podcast, I heard somebody say uh, either on TV or on PGA Tour live or something they said um the internet sensation Ho Sung Choi who is so much fun to watch play and i was thinking i don't know if he's so much fun to watch play i think he's so much fun to watch swing but again yeah. i haven't spent a lot of time watching him so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't totally know but i was i i am just waiting for this to become you know like a 25 minute uh talk during every event
1: i uh yeah i, I- I love um you know the uh, island analogy. Yeah. Where I I've been I've been an early investor in Ho Sung Choi Island and and you know it's kind of a bittersweet moment when you realize that everybody's on Ho Sung Island now and, and the high rises are going up and and your quaint little resort island is uh is no more and so now I'm kind of going to take a backseat to Ho Don't sell on you can't you can't,
0: still, you can't sell the real estate though. You got to keep it there right just in case. Yeah.
1: I you know now it's time to you know sell high and and start to identify the next uh now desolate island that I'm I'm going to get on.
0: Oh, there's a, there's a Chicago Bulls Island I don't think has a lot of people on. You could maybe spend <laughs> some time on. That might be- I, I,
1: that's, I'm always on Bulls Island. You you, know, you, you're the still there. Yeah. A,
0: it, is a, it is a lonely spot right now. That's Andy Johnson. Andy, I appreciate you coming on. First time. Kind of wild to think. Uh, of course, check out Fried Egg. Check out the Fried Egg podcast. And, of course, uh, the Shotgun Start three times a week. That's a lot. And you've got something new with Jeff, Jeff Ogilvy, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'll be uh, probably like monthly or so. So that's exciting. You and Jeff Oak
0: will be best friends. That's Andy Johnson. Thanks, buddy.
1: Thanks, Shane. That was fun. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole.
0: Big thanks to everybody for listening. Big thanks to Andy Johnson and everything he does. I know he's a busy guy right now for jumping on. First time ever. I will have him back. Hopefully I'll be on their podcast again. Love those two guys that do the shotgun start. Check out the Clubhouse Twitter account. Check out the Instagram account as well at the Clubhouse pod. We're giving away some stuff as the PGA show rolls through. I will be in Orlando. If you see me, come say hi. I'll have some koozies. I'll have some stickers. I'll have some tees. And I'll be around the Titleist group. Big thanks to Titleist and ZipRecruiter and Robin Hood for supporting this podcast as we continue to roll through 2019. We'll see you guys next week.